and I'll say this and hopefully come back to it. There's a Steve Jobs quote, uh, real artist ship. I've always liked that because as much as I love sort of the life of the mind and sort of intellectual pursuits, um, you know, actually delivering product or a service or a solution or a song or a performance is, is really, really important. Welcome to the Artist Engineer Podcast. Join me, Tony Tran. And me, Bill Robertazzi. Along with our amazing guests, as we explore how people's inner artists and inner engineer present themselves in their technical careers, in the art that they create, and most importantly, in living creative lives. On this episode of the Artist Engineer, we are speaking with John Moore, John currently serves as Chief Information Officer for the MacArthur Foundation, a well-known and respected grant-making organization in Chicago. As well, in the 1990s, John served in another leadership role that we'll explore, as a frontman, lead guitarist, and singer-songwriter for the indie post-punk hardcore band, Tar. We'll delve into both experiences, talk with John about creative problem-solving, leadership, and transitions, and hear how he went from being a rock star in the musical sense to a rock star in the IT career sense. John, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. So before we get into the leadership piece, which I think all three of us are pretty interested in, and how one informs the other, your artistic endeavors and your professional endeavors, I was doing a bit of research on TAR, reading... It said that you purchased a customized guitar or spec'd out a customized guitar to get built for you, Mm -hmm. uh, an indestructible guitar, I believe, made out of aluminum. And so you're the lead guitar singer-songwriter for a band, which sounds very artistic, but wanting a very specific indestructible guitar sounds like a very engineering mindset. Do you recall that? Yeah, I I do. Um, So that guitar, which I still own and play, uh, it was built by the, um, the luthier Ian Schneller. And Ian's gone on to make many, many instruments, including um, these really interesting rotating horns for Andrew Bird, which have showed up uh, in Andrew Bird performances when the Letterman show and showed up at MoMA. This was, I guess, early 90s. And the band was pretty physical, pretty aggressive style of playing. And we were after sort of a very large sound, um, including one that would sustain quite a bit. It occurred to me that a guitar made out of aluminum might have some of those appropriate qualities. I think also being from Chicago, we're sort of around a lot of manufacturing and um, the band's ethos had sort of a, I don't know, mechanical precision kind of element to it. And so it seemed to fit into, you know, if we were manufacturing, constructing these songs that were um, you know, intense and, uh, I don't know, durable or, you know, had long sonic sustain and things like that. A guitar like that might make sense. Um, plus, I thought it looked cool, looked cool, looked cool. And uh, 
that turned out to be a great guitar um, for me for the band, and then also got a uh, aluminum bass, so that sort of became part of our, I don't know, our look, our shtick. But uh, yeah, having the right tools to do the job are really important. Excellent. And I like what you said, too, about the environment and how it influences artists. You see that in other yeah. places and things, craft work and other musicians and, and how they, uh, they bring that in, which is, I find always kind of fascinating. You came out of that experience. You're a uh, full-time artist for a number of years, and you went through a transition into uh, the technology field. Mm -hmm. How'd you feel about that at the time? Are you, were you learning something totally new when you were diving into that? Totally. Uh, you know, it was a it was a progression of sorts. And so I've always, I don't know, gotten a lot of satisfaction out of making things, you know, song lyrics, songs, records, stuff like that. Not much of a painter or illustrator. Even uh, even in the early 80s, uh, as a teenager, I was putting on skateboarding contests. So, you know, it's a making something and, you know, in the middle of nowhere, Illinois, um, but my undergraduate degree is a business degree and uh, slash MIS management information systems. In the mid 80s, when I was getting that degree, I mean, that was sort of the state of things. And there was a lot of COBOL, a lot of green screens and not much Internet. When I completed college, I was really I don't know, drawn and felt like it was the only thing I could do or wanted to do, I guess, was to play music. So I threw myself into that um, along with my bandmates for several years through the mid-90s. But it was sort of coming to a, a logical end. Um, we had the success, at least the, met the initial goals and were clearly not having fun and not enjoying time around each other. But I remember, I think this was 92 or 3, I learned about or heard about the Internet and was fascinated. This was pre-web browser days. I worked in, in my part-time job, I worked in implementing systems, so I was familiar with a lot of things, but I started taking um, Unix courses to learn about, uh, you know, how the internet works, and that was my angle in on that. And so from 93 to 95, I started learning more about technology from, I guess, modern technology, not uh, mainframe client server stuff. So there was, the big change for me coincided with uh, a move, and I moved to Seattle in 95. It was clear I had a little bit of tech chops and knew my way around the internet a little bit in terms of telnet and scripting and shells and whatnot, that I wanted to work for a startup. I was able to leverage my prior uh, professional experience getting a startup in 95 and just sort of threw myself into that and was unfortunately just as immersed and compelled to focus on that as I was in music, you know, six to eight years earlier. Moving from Chicago to Seattle was interesting. It was a completely different environment. Music stopped. I mean, now I would say it paused, but it, it completely stopped for the six years I was there. Uh, and I was working at three different startups and it really changed my career. So maybe we start talking a little bit about the similarities of leading a rock band and mm -hmm. uh, professional life. The startup element I imagine that was a transition that maybe, made, I don't know, maybe made it easier. Uh, if you'd gone into a large Fortune 500 company from a rock band, mm -hmm. maybe that would have been a different experience. Yeah, and the, the independent rock band, I mean, I would say uh, indie rock was a term at the time, post-punk was accurate from a musical style. But it was very much about interacting with people who were just as passionate about music, you know, the subject, 
as I was, and um, you know, really driven by the de desire to create and interact. Um, and so I saw I saw some of that in startups. Right, the founders had this incredible passion. There was also 95, 96 early days of all kinds of things on the internet. And the first company I worked at was selling software over the internet, which was sort of a preposterous idea or vision visionary at the time. Um, there wasn't a lot of you know, existing tools. So we had to um, figure things out ourselves. So I, again, that sort of mapped to a DIY kind of approach. This is a problem to solve, so let's figure it out. And so some of that was, you know, building a network of like-minded technologists or, you know, partner firms to help us. And so that was familiar. And, you know, so building a team, um, you know, and whether it was the IT team or the entire organization, playing the roles necessary. Um, that was similar, you know, sometimes I'm a business analyst, sometimes I'm writing reports, sometimes I'm, you know, doing operations, sometimes I'm sending out marketing emails. And uh, I mean, sometimes in a band, I'm driving the van, I'm loading the van, I'm calling ahead to find out, you know, directions to the next show and stuff. Pre, pre map quest um, <laughs> and similarly similarly you know in the early internet days we built our own e-commerce platforms um, two of the three companies were e-commerce and so we had to build those ourselves you know there was no sign up for Shopify so you know we were using a different set of tools so there was there was quite a bit of things that I was able to draw from to you know help me be productive and successful uh, in the startup era. And that's really interesting about kind of working in startups and choosing to and uh, working in bands where I found the culture and the fit of the people around you probably is more important than their skills. Did mm -hmm. you have a strategy back then? You mentioned kind of building a team and also building a band. The band, I think, was a little bit more sort of culturally specific, some of which was, you know, this is a friend of my friend and he knows this person. So maybe we have something in common, you know, and hiring people, certainly word of mouth or, you know, I was a personal reference means a lot. I think the things I continue to look for, I mean, I would think of it as, or describe it as creative problem solving <clears throat> and also learning. You know, if you don't have the skills, let's say specific tech skills, but you've demonstrated a record of continuous learning or creative problem solving, you know, those that kind of motivation and intrinsic capabilities is, is really, really important. You know, and you know, you know from technology that every, let's say every five to 10 years, maybe it's a bit slower now, you know, things just completely transform and there's a new era, right? In the cloud era, the AI ML era. And so there's, there's always this new input and this new opportunity to get different skills and tools to use. People who can navigate that and sort of demonstrate that, I, I think are really, really valuable. There's also uh, the personal you know, are we clicking? Is this someone I want to spend four, four weeks in the van with kind of thing, you know, whether it's a van or, a, you know, a cube farm or offices down the hallway. I mean, it's, it's in a way the same thing. And when you're in a situation where you're excited and inspired to work with people every day or more days than not, that's, that's, that's a great thing. And I think as I've grown and my role has elevated, I'm, not just hiring, but I'm thinking about the entire team or how technology fits in with the rest of the organization um, now. So, you know, that's that's an interesting part of how my role has evolved as well. That's great. Yeah, I, th I think um, 
finding people who you, you want to be around is, is probably more important than, uh, you, you didn't even mention, for example, hiring people for their technical fit. That's almost like a standard. So, Yeah, I mean, I think you're going to find people with the technology fit, um, you know, whether it's they're on the right path to have the skills you need or they have the skills you need. Yeah. If you're building an IT team or a rock band, you've got different, you know, instruments that people are playing or different approaches to how they play the instrument. The, you know, the lead guitarist is not the rhythm guitarist. And even, you know, maybe the bass player is the lead bass player. Like there's different roles. And so um, being mindful of that as you're making a team, you know, and I mean, you can think of it in terms of diversity of backgrounds, diversity of experience. I mean, the, I think the better and higher performing teams bring a, a variety of people. Interesting, you said as you as you rose up in your career, and you're now um, senior leader at a large, uh, well-known organization. It almost becomes more intentional, doesn't it? You're, you're part of creating the culture in a lot of ways, and the fit. Yeah, I I think certainly awareness of it. I'd like to think I've always sort of had that. That I don't know mindfulness. You know, the thing I think about is servant leadership. It's something that I, I believe in, you know, the answers in the room um, is absolutely part of it. And I think in my role, having been in technology for whatever, 25 plus years now, I still really, really enjoy the doing part. But like, I have a team of people who can do, and if they can do, you know, 80, 90% as well as I can, um, then I can do other things, you know, and that that's something to keep in mind and then others can be challenged. But it, in a way it ties back when I played, um, when I was, I guess, I, when, I was gonna say when I played music, but um, I'm still doing that. But when we were very, very active writing a lot, it was a very collaborative process. Um, it was a little slow, a little frustrating, but you know, the Bill, your comment about being uh, dictatorial, I mean, there are times now if we're in a moment of crisis or something, you know, I will take charge and be very specific and directive if like time is of the essence or something of that sort. But generally, uh, you know, I want and I promote collaboration and teamwork, even if it feels a little slower to me um, or a little bit more aggravating because we have to go around a little bit more to get to the answer. I think ultimately it results in a better team. Um, and I think <laughs> the, the records the, and songs the band created, I think we all were pretty proud and satisfied with because we were all you know, sharing in the creation of those. So you just mentioned there that you are still creating music. So you took a break for a number of years. And, and as I said, this is kind of... Uh, a little bit how I've uh, known you for many years and then didn't know uh, about this, uh, this rock star past, which was interesting. We've known each other, I guess, eight years or so mm -hmm. uh, professionally. And I heard about this and then it all just kind of clicked and made sense. I was like, oh yeah, now I get it. I uh, wasn't surprised at all, but you are back out creating again. And how's that feeling? What, what have you been up to? Well, gosh, I, I've thought about this. I mean, I paused for let's see, I guess it was a good 14 years between <laughs> performances and, and didn't play a lot of music. I was very professionally focused, but I've always been a fan and remain a fan of music, sort of at the end of the day, that's what I am. And so moving back to Chicago, 
uh, in 2001 allowed me to reconnect with a lot of people. And, you know, we all have our communities and uh, networks, social networks and otherwise. I started interacting with people I used to play music with, except I wasn't playing music. Uh, then a good friend of mine, uh, John Langford, who was the leader of his band, the Mekons, and has a number of bands, said, hey, why don't you join us for a couple songs? My band, Tar, had also reunited in 2012, so I'd sort of played a little bit off and on, but it was for specific events, um, ACLU benefit, um, a friend's 50th birthday party, but... Um, so joining someone else's band was a very different um, experience for me. I wasn't the leader. I had a different role. Uh, there was a whole set of songs written, kind of like joining a different company in a way. And, and it was really, really satisfying. Um, and the approach he has, John has, is just very sincere and incredibly productive. And it was inspiring to seeing him continue to create. You know, and I thought, well... What, what am I waiting for? You know, so I think that was a bit of inspiration and and also sort of being more flexible in terms of types of music or my own expectations of what I might do or what I could create. And so that sort of got me on that path. And then thinking a little bit retrospectively about one's career, you know, as you're pointing out, people are not just the maybe the person you see in the office and the press blue shirt, um, but, you know, have a whole life and generally, you know, these other elements make people more interesting or fuller individuals. I've been thinking about, well, why am I not sharing this part of me, my MacArthur colleagues or whatever? And that got me thinking about why not? What's the downside? So um, I've had some coworkers um, see my bands perform um, but also thinking about now's the time to sort of tie this into lessons about leadership. And so, Bill, you know, I presented last fall at the TAG um, conference to, I don't know, 250, 300 people, something like that. And it was about that intersection. I was asked recently on the art side about what am I doing to deal with, get through or handle or process what's happening with COVID, which has been, you know, challenging, unpleasant and horrible digging in on the creative side has been very helpful for me uh, in, in that. I don't know if it's therapeutic or it's a, a church of sorts, but it, it sort of made me say, okay, well, now's the time to share all of this about me as a, I don't know, a full person and see how it interacts professionally. And so a couple weeks ago, I posted something on LinkedIn that tied them together and um, the response has been pretty uniformly positive and quite um, quite large, which has been great to see and is a, I don't know, a validation of sorts. So um, it makes me feel like uh, people are interested in that that whole um, view of, of oneself. I think it's it's true now, um, both, both because of society, we're sharing more of our lives, but actually working from home in COVID, you can't help not sharing some personal parts of your life. Yeah. Um, and um, people are finding uh, as well, like helps people, I think, uh, work better with you if they understand um, you're not just how you show up in the kind of in the office setting. Um, there's lots of things in common that are probably very surprising. Yeah, I think, you know, more patience uh, is something I'm seeing, which, you know, in an IT role is welcome because mm. if people are calling our service desk, they're not happy when they're calling or contacting because they've had a problem. 
I think, you know, patience, appreciation for what others may be going through, even if we don't know the specifics. Yeah, I mean, the, you know, I've been on a lot of calls, calls and, you know, Zoom conference calls or whatever with people's dogs and children and <laughs> living rooms and dining rooms and backyards. Um, yeah, I mean, you know, fortunately, I'm at an organization where we can work remotely, so we're dealing with that, um, but it's it's challenging. I mean, I think appreciating the, I don't know if it's the human side or all the different elements that people deal with every day is, is important. I also think, I think what Tony said is right, people sharing more of their lives in general, which is great. And I think there is a generational shift. And I think in the workspace, there's an expectation that you're bringing your whole self to work and people are looking for that and, and being wanting to be seen that way and not trying to hide parts of their self, that you do have a, a life outside of your role there, outside of your authority in an organization you have interests, you might have vulnerabilities, you might have challenges, and, and showing that whole human element, I think, really is important. Yeah, I, I think that's something I've learned. I mean, I'm generally a pretty private person and not surprisingly an introvert in terms of personality, although maybe it is surprising. Um, <laughs> you know, I would an introvert get on stage in front of <laughs> more people and perform for a while. But in the past, you know, intentionally didn't share things about my my music, and I tried to compartmentalize them. But I think one thing I've learned is that bringing them together, you know, makes a you know richer engagement, maybe a more authentic person. I've always believed in authenticity, so um, you know that computes or validates. Um, and, and I think again, to, as my roles become you know more senior. The skills I draw on are about connections with people, communication with people, interactions. And so the better relationships I can have and the more genuine relationships I can have are, um, you know, key to being successful. You uh, go back a little bit to, to uh, that band you joined and that person, I forget, is John Langford maybe? Langford, yeah. I was interesting, something you said in there about your story that he was still creating and, and it kind of ties a little bit back, too, to something you said very early in the interview, which i am always been very aware of, is that mindset of learning new skills, being interested in new skills. And that's ultimately, that's, at the end of the day, what makes a good technology person or not, because it is going to change on you every five years, if you're lucky, um, maybe, maybe even quicker. And getting so caught in, I'm a, I've mastered this, and oh, no, now I'm uh, you know, relearning it for the first time takes an element of uh, curiosity, ability to learn, uh, but also creativity, right? How, how you approach now going back into music, similar to what I was told many years ago about technology, you know, it's a young, young man's game, um, or women, but at the time yeah. it was said to me as men. You know, rock and roll is kind of like that, but uh, how do you stay newly creative? I don't know if I wrote this in a diary or something, but I think I was about 30 and I said rock and roll is a young man's game. Believe that. I think <laughs> I think I was wrong. Um, I think the part that is a young man's game or woman's is the DIY efforts of promote, you know, working at a small level, releasing your own records or with an independent label driving around the country um, with your bandmates in a van, sleeping on people's floors and paying, playing for $100 or $200 a night and doing it over and over again. I can't do that. <laughs> I won't do that. You know, 
I don't think people stop being creative and I don't think people necessarily either stop learning or ideally want to stop learning. It makes me sad to think that people do. Fellow John inspired me also because he's a, he was in the first era of punk music. He was in Leeds in 77 and was there with The Clash and The Buzzcocks and Gang of Four. I mean, these were his peers. He's He has a living, uh, or he's a musician who earns his living as a musician and artist. And I found that inspiring, continuing to write, continuing to create. And I think part of what I took from that was, one, keep learning. Don't be so precise or limited in terms of how uh, one or how I can create. And so some of that was playing music with different people, not just, you know, I'm in my band and this is what I can do. Um, maybe that's like I write, you know, I write in COBOL or I write in C++. And if I can't write in that, there's no software to be written, which is, you know, a ridiculous idea. I've been trying musically to, to mix it up a bit, be more of a say yes rather than say no. I certainly have my own, um, I don't know, influences and things that I think sound good. But being open to trying different types of music or, you know, I mean, it's still me doing whatever it is. I think still sounds like me, but it's going to be different than what it was in the past. So, you know, why not be creative at 55, which is where I am now. Um, And actually, even though there was this break um, in terms of playing, um, there was an even longer break in terms of writing anything. And that was about 25 years from 30 to earlier this year, I'd say, was the first time I wrote something new in terms of a song. And uh, that that was a good feeling. So um, I'm wanting to do more of that. And of course, COVID has made everything more difficult, but that's another problem to solve, not something to just seem to. I think there was one other thing I was going to say back to the last question, which is um, my interest in, in leadership and doing this or speaking or writing down my thoughts in a coherent way is as I've advanced in my career, I've really benefited from mentors and, you know, people I can look to and give me good advice. And it's been harder to find those people. I think that fellow John, to some extent, was that cultural mentor for me, but it also then reminded me like, okay, maybe now it's time for my role to evolve and do more of that mentoring. To support what John just said, there's another John, three Johns now. John Maxwell often talks about the kind of three stages of our life. Um, and I think, John, the stage you're moving into is where you, what you call is trying to help other people be successful. Yeah, I, you know, I think somewhat it fits into the keep growing learning. Um, you know, I'm a chief information officer. I doubt I will be a double chief information officer. I could do that role somewhere else. Um, you know, I'm at a pretty great organization. I can evolve my role in, in helping others, you know, fits well into that. You know, my team is part of my job, but if it's people in the sector, that also makes sense. If it's others who I just had the benefit of knowing, it helps them. It's also a different way of learning, too, when you're in that role. Final lightning round, John. What are you listening to these days that you like? Oh, man. Um, got a Paul Birch record. He's a, a musician from Nashville. He's... Um, been going at it for a number of years. 
one of the John bands, uh, and the one I'm in, Skull Orchard, is putting out a couple singles. I think those are really good. Um, I'm very proud to be associated with those. I got a couple of records from a band called Honey Radar. I haven't listened to those yet, but I'm looking forward to that. Got the most recent Lucinda Williams record. There's a Neil Young reissue, Homegrown, from the mid-70s. That's pretty good. Um, I mean, boy, talk about lifelong learners and creators. There's one. Yes. So wide variety of stuff. Excellent. Well, thank you very much for this conversation. It has been really Yeah, great way to start the week. Super enjoyable. Thanks for listening. We hope you enjoyed this episode. You can email us at podcast at theartistengineer.com if you have show ideas or want to follow up with feedback or just want to say hi. We'd love to hear from you, so feel free to connect. You can find more information about this episode in the show notes at www.theartistengineer.com. And finally, if you enjoy the show, please leave an iTunes review as it helps the show get discovered by more people. And also hit the subscribe button.